Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. 8 after 11 o'clock, welcome to the third and final hour of the Talking Point for today. And within this hour, then, we're going to be looking at the concerns being raised about um, South Africa's decision, in particular, uh, the Department of Mineral uh, resources and energy to move towards procuring a uh, nuclear energy that is new nuclear energy joining us on the line is francesca de gasparis who is the with the southern african faith communities environment institute francesca good morning good morning how are you i'm well thank you um can we just boost that line from Pr- francesca it sounds a bit low uh, not hearing her very clearly Princess Mtombeni is the founder of Nuclear for Africa. Princess, good morning to you. Good morning, KP, and to your listeners. All right, you sound perfect. Uh, Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. Francesca, let's begin with you, right? Um, That South Africa has had plans to procure nuclear energy perhaps is nothing new. Uh, Of course, we saw in the integrated uh, resource plan, uh, at least the latest one, which was released in 2019, that there was at least um, uh, allocation made for 2,500 megawatts of nuclear energy that would be brought on board. So let's talk then about the concerns that, that you have. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for the opportunity. I hope you can hear me clearly now. It's much better now. Thank you. Yes. You know, SAFSI and EarthLife Africa Johannesburg took the government to court over its trillion rand nuclear deal, which was deemed illegal and unconstitutional in 2017. So we've been watching uh, nuclear energy plans, the nuclear energy governance issues, and basically energy governance for many years. And as you know, the energy crisis we currently face is due to mismanagement, poor governance, and in fact, state capture. So the reason we have load shedding, the reason our energy is so expensive is due to government failures in terms of our energy systems. So when we talk about new nuclear energy, we've got to look at that as our context. And we're in a crisis right now. We have over six hours of load shedding every day, midwinter. Nuclear energy is going to do nothing to solve any of that. And the way that uh, the new nuclear energy build was proposed in the IRP 2019 was as a pace and scale the country can afford. We can ill afford nuclear right now. It's going to take over a decade to bring any kind of system on board. It's hugely costly. And that's one of the reasons why we won the court case previously is because nuclear energy is a fantastic opportunity for graft and backhanders and millions upon billions of money being wasted. And this is money that South Africa can ill afford. And we need to be investing in energy systems that are indeed going to benefit us now and are going to address our current crisis to be now talking again about new nuclear at a time when it's entirely unsuitable for our energy crisis is really wrongheadedness in our view. So Francesca... And speaks to potential political interests rather than yeah. uh, actual energy interests and affordable energy for South Africans to boot. So Francesca, to understand you clearly, your issue is with South Africa going to procure 
new nuclear energy. So this is not related perhaps to the work that is being done at Kuburg and um, the conversations around whether or not to try and extend the life, the lifeline of Kuburg. I know that's another huge topic, Kathy, and I'm happy to talk about that too. But yeah. um, at the moment, we're, the issue that, that we are contesting and that we um, have written to NERSA about is this issue of the new nuclear. Obviously, there's issues with Kuburg as well. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of uh, false narratives coming out around nuclear recently. There's been a big push into Africa, a lot of geopolitics around this. This idea that it's reliable and a stable baseload, all of those are completely false. Um, and it's just not so. If you look at uh, countries who are moving forward uh, with energy systems that are safe, reliable and affordable, they're all going to renewables. Globally, they're much cheaper, much more accessible, quick to install, quick to build. It's, it's a no-brainer. And that's why all of the independent energy models show that we should be investing in renewables uh, and an absolute uh, as our top priority right now. So even talking about nuclear at this point is just kind of a, a distraction. It's a red herring from the reality of the crisis that we face. And, and it makes a mockery of the, the kinds of suffering that we're seeing across lives, everyday South African small businesses. It's incredibly difficult for them right now. And here we are once again having a nuclear energy debate when, when really what we should be looking at is the current energy crisis and what are we going to do about it? So and Francesca, that is about yeah. Um, renewables, yeah. So, so just, just to, to go back again to um, the, the IRP 2019, um, yes. are you saying that fundamentally, based on the, the research that you have done and the view that you hold as an organization, that nuclear energy should never have been part of the energy mix that South Africa uh, said it planned to pursue. So, so, so I, I hear what you're saying in terms of why you believe it's a move in the wrong direction now. But of course, the department um, can come back and say, but this is what we said we were going to do in 2019 already. And it's, you know, four years later. Why the opposition now? Oh, yeah. No, we've been opposing it the whole way along. In fact, it's an interesting thing. The 2019 IRP, there were two, um, two different uh, issues made and the government corrected itself very quickly. And the second one, the final one that they, uh, that they issued, said that we are looking at um, nuclear energy, but only at a pace and scale the country can afford and look to commence preparations for a new nuclear build program. Now, we wrote to the to NERSA at that time because they put suspensive conditions on this, which means that uh, they said, actually, no, we're not ready to do this. There's a number of issues that need to be addressed. And now, just recently, so we've been following this up and uh, in conversation with the National Nuclear Energy uh, Regulator, as well as, the, as well as many others, and uh, obviously the research that it's not our research by the way it's independent research so uh, we're not you know there's energy experts all around the world who will do energy modeling what's affordable what's effective um, and so that's the energy uh, research that we refer to when we refer to research and so yeah so what we were looking at here is the fact that the irp 2019 
is saying commence preparations for nuclear energy build at a pace and scale that the country can afford. So cost and affordability are critical issues in energy decision making. And uh, we are saying, uh, you know, the point that we're making today is that we neither can afford it, nor is the cost reasonable. All right, Princess, let me bring you into this conversation. As somebody who has worked in um, the nuclear space for a number of years, you are well aware of the varying debates on this subject. What do you think about where we are in this conversation? Um, Thank you so much, um, Kathy. Let me first make a case for nuclear based on facts. Um, Kathy, I believe that um, nuclear should be included as part of energy mix in South Africa, or at least as part of the 1.5 to 1.9 trillion rand jet investment plan. Last year, the United Nations Economic Commission for Europe came up with a study comparing the carbon emissions of all major electricity generation technologies. Nuclear power had the lowest, even lower than renewables. So it is a a good option for uh, for South Africa's jet IP. Also, the same study of UN uh, Economic Commission um, said that without nuclear power, climate objectives will not be reached. That's according to the same study that I referred to. According to the International Atomic Energy Agency roadmap to net zero zero by 2050, we have to at least double the international nuclear capacity globally, which is currently standing at about um, 10 to 11%. Europe Parliament even voted for nuclear and gas to be included in the green taxonomy, which simply means that they they should be considered as part of uh, just energy transition and should qualify for green financing. Currently, KP, there are about uh, 57 nuclear power reactors that are being constructed globally. China uh, leading with uh, building over 20 uh, nuclear reactors, uh, followed by India with eight. UK is also building. Egypt in Africa is also building. UAE is is building, and uh, among others. Also, almost every country, KP, in the world that has plans to decarbonize their electricity is relying on either nuclear or hydro or a combination of both. South Africa has very limited capacity for hydro, so we have to consider nuclear. South K needs to move with times. Globally, the conversation has moved um, uh, has moved on. on. Environmentalists have accepted that nuclear technology is low carbon. Now, their only issue is scaling at open time for it to be a solution for climate chi- uh, crisis. If we have to be true to ourselves as South Africans or as Africans, we do not have a climate crisis, but we have energy poverty crisis. Now, um, also what um, Francisca told us, spoke about the, the issue of base load being um, crap, um, just inverted commas. Um, there's no such a thing. Base load power source, let me take from Pennsylvania's um, website, how they explain base load. Base load, Uh, power sources are the plants that operate continuously to meet minimum level of power demand 24-7. However, since now we are being bullied, not to mention mention the the, the base load, let's speak about the capacity factor. They also explain capacity factor in the same website of Pennsylvania. Um, They show that nuclear power and coal systems are most advantageous when when operated continuously at a full load, with nuclear being the top with about 90% capacity factor. 
Meanwhile, solar and wind technologies, which are notoriously weather dependent, have the lowest capacity factor numbers, lower than 30%. Now, to address the issue of cost, Kathy, if you go to, fin uh, to ESCOM's website and find their financial statements, they have confirmed that Kuber nuclear power plant here in South Africa offers the cheapest electricity per kilowatt hour at 10% at 10 cents compared to renewables which are about 220 and coal which is 40 cents among their uh, as conflicts now the only way to confirm the claims that nuclear bills would be expensive is to allow the government to go through a process called request uh, for proposals surprisingly the anti-nuclear lobby groups such as staff they are against that process so how will you know how much the nuclear build would cost because we, we still don't have proof, as I'm sitting here today, that the nuclear build in 2016 that they stopped was going to cost a trillion rand. Right now, we are standing with a jet IP, which costs about 1.5 to 1.9 trillion rand. And it only speaks to renewables, unreliable renewables. According to experts, um, Kathy, the so-called expensive nuclear deal in 2016 of one of 9,600 megawatt it was going to cost just above 600 uh, billion rand. And this would have been proven had these NGOs allowed the request for, process, uh, for proposal process to continue. So it is absolutely not true that wind and solar are the cheapest forms of electricity. A system based on wind and solar would be extremely expensive. The OECD, which is Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, came up with a report in 2021 that shows that system costs escalate dramatically the more variable renewables you have in the system. So, so the end. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 Princess, so, sorry to, to come in there. So, effectively, part, part of what you're saying is that um, based on the concerns that the likes of SAFSI have raised uh, about South Africa's uh, pursuing of, of nuclear energy, you're saying that those what is informing those decisions is actually flawed and that um the the position that they're taking does not fully take into account where things are globally as uh, definitely they uh, they are flawed kathy because uh, until now no one has come up with a proof, not even at uh, the state, uh, the Zondo Commission, that brought a proof to say the nuclear deal in South Africa was going to cost a trillion. But we are sitting with a proof that the, the Just Energy Transition Investment Plan is going to cost uh, from 1.5 to 1.9 trillion rand. So the, the anti-nuclear lobby groups, they have been opposing nuclear since 2010, and they are saying um, nuclear will take longer to build and I mean, are we saying that South after now five years, South Africa won't exist? Imagine if we had built a nuclear uh, plant in 2010 or in 2016, we would be close to switching on the nuclear, uh, the first nuclear reactor right now. But because they continuously oppose nuclear um, on the basis that they only want renewables yeah, in South Africa, there is no system in the world that works on renewables alone. Francesca? Yes, hi. Let, let me give you an opportunity to respond uh, to what Princess has raised. I want, thank you. Uh, Kathy, I want to first thank you for 
having this topic on the radio, it's really, really important that we have these kinds of conversations and debates. And I want to appreciate Princess coming with her views. It's very important. It's very important that we hear all views on these issues. Energy decision-making is part of our democracy. It's part of public participation. So we, as people living in South Africa who have the right to vote, should have an opinion and should be informed. So I think that's really, really important. And I want to just emphasize that, first of all. And it's one of the central tenets of when we object to government. Uh, you know, I think Princess is absolutely right. Some people have strong opinions one way or another. And that's the way it should be in a, in a healthy democracy. And of course, if you get someone who has a vested interest in nuclear, of course, they're going to say, uh, you know, this is the best way forward. You know, it's either a professional choice of theirs or they're working in the industry and they have every right to say that. Um, and that's why we need to have good studies that are independent. We need to listen to different views and, and opinions across society. So, you know, the position that we come from is the issue of energy poverty in South Africa, the issue of mismanagement of energy governance in South Africa. We shouldn't be having load shedding right now, and we shouldn't be having an energy crisis. And that's our starting point. And that's the issue that we are so concerned about and why we are saying, come on, government, you need to seriously address this as the most important issue that we're facing. And when you look in that context and you look at the mismanagement that's gone on for decades, look at Madupi and Kusile. Those are two coal-powered plants which went hugely overrun in cost, hugely overrun in time, and then we also have them already not functioning well because of the mismanagement in energy. Now, when we look at nuclear, it's an even more expensive proposition. It's even riskier. When you talk about the, the kinds of accidents that can happen with nuclear, it's hugely problematic. Uh, you know, it's extremely toxic. Uh, the, the other accidents that we've seen, like Chernobyl in Ukraine, which Russia has now invaded, um, that, you know, you're not, it's an exclusion zone that's going to be there. It's going to be for at least the next 300 years. I mean, nuclear waste is toxic for millions of years. So, you know, this isn't uh, something that's a neutral, clean energy that's just going to provide us low cost energy forever. The people who are going to pay for the, uh, an expensive and unnecessary energy system that's not going to come on for at least another decade those people are the people of the future. They're not us right now. So, I mean, my vested interest is for people in South Africa who are facing energy poverty, who can't access reliable and affordable energy. That's the issue that we're taking. So, I mean, you know, as NGOs, we are non-government. We are not for profit. We do not have a vested interest. And we particularly, that's why we always look at independent studies and independent science. Um, and yeah, I think... Unfortunately, the climate crisis is going to hit here even harder. I and, mean, you know, when you look at the science coming out of this, there's some excellent science coming out, which shows that we are really going to be hit very, very hardly here. And that's really about huge uh, weather system issues, um, drought, uh, uh, rain, and, you know, potential other things too. So we need to be very careful when we look at the issue of climate change. And we need to make sure that we... Uh, clean our energy system, move away from fossil fuels as quickly as possible. And that's absolutely essential. We don't want to get uh, involved in more energy systems that, that are going to be from foreign agents, uh, foreign companies, uh, foreign governments, which then tie us in for decades um, 
into very, very costly energy systems, that, which we cannot afford. So, I mean, that's absolutely mm. clear. We've seen it with the car power ships. The government keeps losing court cases around its energy system because, unfortunately, we're still not seeing the kind of energy governance that we need to see. And that's what we're calling for. We want to see actually energy systems that's going to address the crisis right now. And so that's why, as I said at the beginning, we really don't need to be talking about nuclear energy right now. So, you know, Francesca, one of the, the th one of the things that we see happening, right, is that the more that we feel the pinch of the state of our electricity supply or lack thereof, um, people are beginning to interrogate, well, what are the options, what are the alternatives that um, we can be looking at and that we should be looking at on the table? And one, of course, also has to be mindful of the fact that the way in which the debate is happening has also been largely influenced by various interests. And, of course, we can't take away um, the role of politics in this conversation as well. So when we start the conversation and from the get-go it says, well, nuclear should not be an option at all. Is that having a fair assessment of what are the possibilities under nuclear? And, and, and you know, you, you brought the issue of car power ships um, because that is another deal that potentially, um, you know, we could find ourselves locked in for years. There are questions around the cost of that. But why is it not something that we should be debating? Um, and, and I'm going to give you a chance to respond to this uh, question in a moment because I see it's just gone 11.30. It's time for me to take the latest news headlines. We'll continue this conversation in a moment. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlathana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on the talking point. We're focusing then on the issue of nuclear energy procurement and, of course, uh, the latest in particular from the uh, from SAFSI, which is the Southern African Faith Communities Environment Institute, raising concerns uh, that South Africa is indicating a move to procure new nuclear energy. Francesca, uh, let me give you an opportunity just to, to respond uh, to, to what I was saying and asking before the break. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think these are all really valid points. And, and as I said earlier, I really appreciate you raising them with us. Um, you know, one of the issues we've had with government energy decision making and how it's procuring its energy is that it hasn't had an integrated energy plan. And uh, the Green Connection and SAFSI took the government to court, uh, the president and uh, Minister Mantashe, um, earlier this year to say, in 2008, you had an energy act uh, that was agreed, and section six of the energy act is the integrated energy plan. And that was never brought into existence. Now, the integrated energy plan, section six of the energy act, is the overarching plan. Uh, it tells you what kind of energy systems we should have, and it takes into account all the development needs of South Africa, its energy needs, the different energy systems, and it has this very debate and it engages the public. So we, so it's a, a process that allows us all to be here, have our voices heard, Princess's voice, SAFSI, 
you know, all the different uh, interested bodies. And then it looks at independent research and so on. And we look at an integrated energy plan, which is the blueprint of South Africa. Now, initially, the president and the minister contested uh, our request for them to bring in their own legislation, which would make uh, binding, uh, legally binding, the integrated energy plan. And then the uh, president conceded and he said, we will start this energy plan on the 1st of April, 2024. Now that's in, in a year's time. And if you think that our energy crisis is now, why aren't we doing our integrated energy plan now? That will bring exactly the issues that you've said, Kathy. Um, why is it that nuclear shouldn't be in the energy mix? Let's all see that together. Let's see the cost. Let's see the independent research. That's what we want to see. We believe in evidence-based decision-making that allows us to bring into the open um, the different ways that government makes decisions, allows the public to engage, and allows us to be part of choosing what energy we want and what's affordable for us and what suits future generations. Right now, it's done in secrecy. There is no transparency. We're having to take the government to court again and again. And the nuclear energy industry in particular has a lot of secrecy. You mentioned earlier, Kathy, uh, Kuberg. We have big concerns about what's going on at Kuberg. It's way behind uh, what it needs to be doing at the moment. It should be decommissioned. It's at the end of its life, which means it's been running for 40 years. And nuclear power stations built in the 1970s really need to be looked after carefully. There's a lot of potential safety issues there. We want to see the safety report. That, again, is not being shared publicly. Why is that? Why would the government keep all of these things so very, very secret? We should be allowed to see what is happening, what are the concerns. And if you look at the plant, Kuberg uh, power plant, you'll see it was built in France. If you look at France, look at how many power plants, nuclear power stations built at the same time are currently off, completely off, because of their needing to be uh, restored or they're not being bought back on. There's a lot of information that we should be looking at as people living in South Africa. But right. as, again, as I said to you, nuclear energy isn't the most cost effective. It isn't the one that's going to solve our crisis now. And so we do really need to be having the conversation about renewables as well. And I hope, Kathy, that you will also have a feature to talk about why is it that renewables have taken so very long to come onto the energy system in South Africa, because that's another big issue around energy governance that right. needs to be exposed and debated in the public. Thank you. Oh, all right. Th th thanks for that, Francesca. Uh, I want to take some callers on this issue. Matthew, you are in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. How are you? Well, thanks, Matthew. And good morning to your callers. Look, you see, this is how polarized we are or polarized we are as a nation. These two types of facts. Who do you believe? Can I give America for an example? Do you know how much electricity kilowatts per hour did they produce in 2002, Kathy? Seven, over 700 million. That was enough to generate 72 million houses, right? Who's the second on the list? China. Oh, and since, can I give you another stat? 20% of America's energy from the 1990 came from, 20% came from nuclear. These are prosperous nations. China's second. What Francesca's not telling you? Yes. France, 
is, 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 uh, their uh, nuclear stations are shutting down, but she's not knowing what the consequences is now currently in France because they're not showing it on social media. They're not showing what's happening there. People are losing jobs. I see a vision where nuclear and renewables can coexist. Do you think about the jobs we need? They are trying to de-industrialize us so that we don't prosper as an African nation. That is what they want to do. Her accent sounds very suspicious. I don't know if she's an agent or somewhere, but I'm telling you now, she cannot speak like we don't. We are not educating ourselves with this specific topic. All right. We know nuclear needs to come into the fold. We need to be industrialized. That's why there's no more jobs. Look at the waste, for instance. Companies can be do so that waste can be taken from the nuclear plants. That's more jobs. Traveling, moving. Of, of, of getting uranium, mining of uranium. These are opportunities that exist for our youth, but they don't see that. They don't see that. We don't, we need jobs. We need that. And unfortunately, I understand what you're saying. What the government is doing that can't maintain, I am sorry, they failed. And I know their management structure sucks. And I can understand frustration, but we need jobs. We need to get uh, nuclear up and running. Thank you. All right, Matthew. Vusi in Cape Town. In Cape Town. Good how are you? I'm good, thanks, Vusi. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I, I would like to, uh, to fully agree with uh, with our last caller here. I forgot the name, but yes, uh, I do believe that uh, nuclear is the way to go. If not nuclear, then let's let's rather uh, invest more into coal. I think uh, Francesca, her argument is not even argumentative enough because of she doesn't tell you, she doesn't tell us facts, you know, like how much is this renewable going to cost us and so on. Or maybe she's an agent of this uh, renewable energy because of we, we, the people, we are the ones who are struggling now. We are the ones who are suffering now because of the low shady. And then uh, come to think about it. We could have built it the nuclear in, you know, uh, years back, but because but, of... But Vusi, Vusi, surely we can, we can have the conversation and have the debate without suggesting that our guests are agents of this or agents of that. Okay, ma'am. Okay, ma'am. Let's go, but uh, her independence doesn't, doesn't sound so independent over there, you know, because of uh, she doesn't even talk fast. We, 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 we can't... The lady who talked the I forgot the name, but uh, I was I, I listened to her. She told us all the facts, even how much does a, a, a kilowatt per hour in Kuwait cost us. You know what I mean? So why can't we go for the cheaper options rather than because of uh, we all know? Look at how Australia is suffering because of the renewable energy. Look at how Germany is suffering because of the renewable energy. After all, in Germany, their wind farms in, uh, in at the Baltic Sea was mostly all. Almost all of it destroyed with the with the storm. So these things are, are, are unreliable. After all, we have hail in, uh, in 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 our country here. Now we we all invest in the solar panels, and then hail comes and it damages all the solar panels. And then what are we gonna do? So all these things they're gonna pile up in in nuclear in in a waste in a waste piling up then at, at the waste centers because of those things are not even recyclable. You know what I mean? They are not as green as, yeah, as, uh, as we are being led to think that it's green. All right. We'll see. Let's leave it there. Francesca, let me give you an opportunity to respond uh, to what Vusi and um, was it William or Michael earlier on, their contributions? 
Thank you so much. Well, I'd just like to say for public record, I'm definitely not an agent of anything. I do work for an NGO. <laughs> and it's not a sector you should move into if you want to be paid well. <laughs> just saying. But I, I do want to say, Kathy, it is interesting to hear those views. Um, I, I do think that this debate is hotting up. Um, I do think it needs to be South African. People who live in South African, South African citizens should be having this conversation. And it's really, really important. Um, you know, Germany is, I think, going up to 80% renewable energy, and that is a booming economy. So, um, you know, some of the, the arguments given uh, are not factually correct. Um, Australia is also, these are big leading uh, global uh, countries, uh, Australia as well. There's some uh, Vietnam who, you know, were probably economically similar to South Africa. They put rooftop solar on almost every household, and it's made a massive industry uh, and, and different to, to their electricity solutions. So I think we need to think about how to put literally power back into the hands of the people so people can generate energy from their own rooftop and that there's an opportunity to feed that back into the grid. I think that will make a massive difference to us. It will also create local jobs, local economies. It will allow people to figure out how they want to, to grow their families, their businesses, and so on, because they won't be dependent on an electricity source, which is unreliable, unstable, and not present at the moment. All right. I mean, the, the reality, I'm not sure why our callers didn't talk about load shedding. They don't seem to think of it as a major concern. Uh, and I'm really surprised to hear that. I, I mean, are they not suffering like everyone else? Okay. Uh, Princess, let me give you a chance to come in. Um, thank you, Katie. You know, um, one caller spoke about jobs. Um, there's high un unemployment rate um, in South Africa, and it's very inconsiderate of these NGOs to even expect Kuber to shut down. If you go to Kuber right now, Katie, you will find, I don't know, more than 20 parking spots. There's almost 2,000 people working in Kuber, and the NGOs are so cruel in such that they want those people to lose their jobs. NGOs in South Africa oppose everything that is not wind and solar. Hence, their intentions should be questioned. Who are they representing? Because it's not ordinary South Africans. Who is SAFSE uh, talking on behalf? I can tell you now that majority of South Africans have never heard of SAFSE. We have the third largest political party in South Africa calling for nuclear, which is EFF. Busa of Musima Imane has also called for the 5,000 megawatt of nuclear power capacity. Recently, AfriForum has announced its plan um, to develop their own small modular reactor. These are people with constituency. Many of us don't know who SAFK's uh, uh, constituency is, so they do not speak on our behalf. Therefore, our government would be doing a disservice to the people of South Africa uh, just to discard other um, technologies on the basis that few individuals do not like them. This country needs to implement an energy mix that includes nuclear and all other technologies at our disposal. And then um, she spoke about the, uh, the risks. Um, Kathy, South Africa has safely operated Kuber for almost 40 years following the protocol and high safety standard of the International Atomic Energy Agency. Nuclear industry is managing their waste incredibly well and safely. There has never been an incident where stored radioactive waste is released on any nuclear power plant. Also, what people consider as hazardous waste sometimes is, is, is usually the, legally, um, the, the, the legacy 
the legacy military waste. So technologies have evolved. I heard she spoke uh, of um, what Chernobyl and Fukushima. There are about 140 something nuclear reactors in, in the world, but she refers to two. So technology has evolved as much as we have to accept that uh, the expensive solar um, is now getting a bit cheaper. It means that we need to accept that technologies, they do evolve. We are now looking at the latest uh, generation of uh, advanced nuclear reactors, which incorporate extra safety um, features to avoid the kind of disasters of Chernobyl and Fukushima. Princess and Francesca, I'm looking at the time and unfortunately, um, we've completely run out of time for this conversation. We've got a lot more engagement on this issue on the WhatsApp line as well, people uh, who sent through their voice notes and also some specific questions for both of our guests. I do think, though, it's going to be helpful for us when we have this conversation just to try and look at what are the actual pros and cons. Because once we start having it along the narratives that have been formed, then it's difficult to actually help South Africans make up their own minds about whether or not nuclear should be pursued um, and the extent to which it should be pursued. And at this point, I think if we look at the integrated uh, resource plan, that it should be pursued is probably moot. But for those who disagree, then let's hear why they disagree with that move. For those who agree, let's hear why they agree with it. But I always get a sense after having uh, a conversation like this on nuclear that their interests from both sides, and unfortunately, often that then derails um, even th the kind of debate that, that we could be having about it uh, and, and, and really helping us as the South African public make up our own minds about where we stand on this question. So it's certainly an issue we're going to look at more um, because, of course, it, it is such an important part of the conversation we need to have around how we secure electricity going into the future. That's where we leave it for today on The Talking Point. Up next is the book reading.